Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete. Recording this in Chester County, PA, next to my favorite co-host and new roommate. That's me, Tyler Held. <laughs> I am a semi-retired professional five-star groom and doctor of sport and performance psychology. I am a lifelong learner and adventure seeker, a gym owner and Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt, and I am also recording in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Ironically, not in our own house, but, you know, transient life will do that to you, right, Emily? Yeah, that was the plan today, but then, you know, barn life happened and... You know, you know how that goes more, more than I expected to do today. So (laughs) we are recording closer to the barn so I can get back and ride after this. How many do you have to ride after this? Just, just two, just two. Yeah. Very good. So good day. Awesome. Awesome. So, okay. Well, we'd like to welcome you or welcome you back to the whole equestrian podcast. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses, and we do this by having conversations about being more well-rounded individuals via our pillars, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. We release one main episode a month, but have also had some exciting guests on the show, so make sure to check those out. This month, we're going to talk all about clinics. I think that's what we should call this episode, all about clinics. Okay. Yeah. Um, basically like their value drawbacks, a couple conversations about how to be your own advocate in seeking knowledge and adventures in these experiences, uh, a lot to go over. Clinics are a great resource. Emily and I do clinics. Emily goes to clinics, right? There's Mm -hmm. all sorts of conversations to be had. So looking forward to getting into that, but first we'll do our normal introduction stuff and get into our goals, word of the year, and some books that we've been reading. All right, so as we alluded to in our, our last episode, our we, I guess we talked about our 2023 words of the year, but we didn't really go into detail. So without further ado, my word for 2023 is create, and I'm really like enjoying this word because it's already guiding my life a little bit and I feel like I'm really living into it so I'm pretty happy about about that choice I'm choosing to create some things uh, business wise and you know with the overall idea of creating the life that I want so that has been a fun word and we're only into January And as far as goals relating to creating things, I'm currently working on creating an online course, which I'm really excited about. More on that in the future. Very exciting. Um, And then I'm also working to create my best personal five-star score at Kentucky. Fingers crossed on that. And also creating a longer-term barn solution. So, uh, yeah. And we have a dog chewing on a bone in the background. We apologize for that, but this is just part of podcasting. <laughs> it is It is the life. I feel like a, a lot of podcasts that I listen to, there'll be like a cat meow, yeah. a baby cry. It's just life. It's you just know? life. It's, it's real. We're real people here. Right. Um, 
What about you? So my word of the year is paragon, which means like an example or embodiment of excellence. Um, And I think that really goes into some of the conversations I had last episode about taking my own advice on things, really investing in my own mindset journey in sports and sort of applying what I do in sports psychology to myself so that I can lead by example, lead by example as I teach my kids and in my kids' classes and just all around like be someone that people look up to and say like, oh, like, yeah, I would like to run my life like that. Um, And I feel like goals-wise, I'm like the opposite of the Paragon right now because I haven't actually like physically written down my goals for 2023. I feel like we always have like a session and like time and I haven't like my big goals. I I write down micro goals all the time now, which is uh, a big part of like just keeping consistent every day, which is one of my goals. I definitely want to read a book in Portuguese. Um, I'm entered for the Pan American Championships in Jiu-Jitsu. I'm planning to enter Worlds. It's my goal to put in my best effort in those two competitions and control what I can control. Um, You can't control a podium finish. So like to me, that's not always a worthwhile goal. Um, Yeah, of course, I'd like to come home with big medals around my neck and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, my goal is to leave it all out on the mats. And um, so that's that's what I got going on. And yeah, I've already hit 50-day streak of learning Portuguese. Um, and it's cool. It's, can, it's fun. Can you give us a little taste of that? Oh, gosh. Um, it's just like something basic. Even tanho uma camisa. What does that mean? I have a shirt. What about just like hello? Um, oi. Right? Oi? 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 Uh, you're putting me on the spot oh, here. Oh, sorry. Sim is yes. Okay. Obrigado is thank you. Okay. Um, sorry, yeah. I should have... Uh, <laughs> you should have primed me for should this. should have been... In our pre-recording, we could have talked about yeah. Portuguese. No, but you know, like, the Portuguese is happening, and yeah, I'm going to read a book in Portuguese by the end of the year. That's definitely a goal. Like, I want it to be, like, a mid, mid-level mid chapter book, right? Yeah. Like, something that you would read in middle school, maybe. Okay. That's kind of... That's a good goal. It's kind of, like, yeah. the idea there. But, yeah, I need to I need to get on my Paragon life yeah. and write them down somewhere. But to me, um, one of the things that I've been talking a lot with my clients lately is, like, hey, like, the big goals are great and you should have them, but, like, let's make sure the micro goals are more important and I actually got this like really cool like journal that has like a little habit tracker in the top so it's got like you know the week where you can write out your plans for Uh the week and it's got a habit tracker so like um reading every day journaling stretching learning Portuguese like all of those habits are something that like I have written down on that habit tracker so to me the micro goals are aligned and so the macro will just come to fruition yeah well, I think this is a great segue into books, 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 because the book I'm reading is called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, and it's all about how like little things can create a big difference. So I feel like that's what you were talking about with your micro goals, turning Didn't into macro. <laughs> we did not plan that, but I was like, oh, that's a good tie-in. Um, so it's a very interesting book. I just, like, he gives all these examples of like real life examples of how small things have created epidemics basically and like one that was kind of funny to me was about uh hush puppies like you know the shoes are you familiar with hush puppy shoes See, have my, you heard? My, my mind went to like the, the little the corn, corn those are delicious but 
anyways, in this story, he talks about, like, how in uh, New York City, there was this group of kids who, like, I forget what decade it was, you know, it was, like, you know, maybe 40, 50 years ago, um, these, like, kids started to wear hush puppies, which had gone out of style, like, a long time ago, and, like, the hush puppy market was just not happening and uh whatever so these kids like started wearing them in downtown new york and then you know like somehow people started thinking that that was cool and then all of a sudden the sales of hush puppies like had spread across the country and like they'd had their biggest year by far that year like it was just interesting to me and then it also took me down a rabbit hole because i was like a little unfamiliar with what hush puppies were so i searched on the internet and now i actually want hush puppies so are those not, they're not the jelly shoes are no, they? no no they're like uh they're kind of like old school like loafer type like they're they're older but they've you know revamped them but i just thought it was funny how like a couple kids in new york started this fashion trend across the the country so but there's a lot of other stories like that and um Anyways, it's an enjoyable, interesting book. And again, the biggest thing is like the point is little things can be that tipping point. Well, usually are that tipping point for big things to happen. So what about you? What have you been reading? Well, first, I just want to say that I have had a lot of people reach out to me that say that they got Crocs because I wear Crocs and like you started it. Yeah. So when you and uh they were just saying that Croc stock is, is off the charts it's these crazy. days. Yeah. That's because of me. Yep. Docking Crocs. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely helping it for sure. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Um, I also just, before I get into my book, I just want to note that in our little outline here, Emily put a smug little comment that said, one book only this time, LOL. Last um. time, I think you talked about like three. I was like, Tyler. I was excited. I know. I we love excited. books. It's fine. Um, but, like, actually, I've been busy with the move and stuff like that, so I've only really read from start to finish one book this month anyways. Um, and I had, like, a really weird... Uh, it was, it's The Alchemist uh, by Paulo Coelho. And I have heard about this book before. A lot of high-performance people talk about The Alchemist. It's a parable about following your dreams. It's nonfiction, but it's very, like, mystical, magical. And I had sort of a mystical, magical experience where, like, I just, like, thought about this book a couple times. And then one day I was just like, I, like, have to read this book right now. Yeah. And I hate reading books on, like, Kindle. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I think I, if I actually had, like, one of the paper white ones, like, I might get more into it, but I just love having, like, a physical copy of a book. But I wanted this book, like, it was, like, this moment. I was like, I need to to read (laughs) The Alchemist. So I downloaded it on Kindle, um, and I actually just finished it today. And there's definitely a bunch of fun little messages, quotes throughout the book. Um, A lot of them are very famous. Interestingly enough, this book originated in Brazil. So, like, I just Uh felt like the stars aligned and the omen. And it's all about omens, too, in there. So it's kind of just, like, weird like the universe inspired this book into my life I believe that um so a couple well two quotes that I picked out that I just wanted to share um it says they should know that when we strive to become better than we are everything around us becomes better too and I feel like that just ties into my world of the year Mm -hmm. and trying to be an example um and then the other one that really stood out to me was 
to show you one of life's simple lessons, the alchemist answered. When you possess great treasures within you and you try to tell others of them, seldom are you believed. So that's sort of the, like, lead by doing, not yeah. by telling. Like, if yeah. you go and you just say, like, oh, I'm awesome at all these things, people are like, cool. Yeah. But if you just, like, live it instead. And it I feel yeah. like that is good because... Um, Emily and I's social media presence has not been up to par recently, and I I feel like it's just, like, because we're living and doing things, yeah. right? Yep. And sometimes, like, to me, even, like, seeing other people's content that they're produced, it feels, like, a little bit fake, and it feels yeah. a little bit forced, and I don't think we ever want to produce anything along those lines. And so, to me, that quote was just, like, wow, like, we're just out here possessing life's great treasures we're not trying to like tell other people about them like too outwardly right obviously we share our wisdom and we love doing the podcast and stuff like that but it does get to a point sometimes in that space where it just feels a little bit like eh. like you're posting just to post yeah and yeah yeah and like yeah. look at me look at us right so anyway I, I agree with that yeah social media is a weird thing I think that was a good tie-in because yeah we you know, we're going to put quality stuff out there when we feel called to. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in I the meantime, we're going to be living, living our purpose. And, and I think in the past we've made goals like, hey, like we should post every day and we should do this, that, the other. And I think our transition for a whole equestrian goal should be to be like our authentic selves out mm-hmm. there and speak to what is meaningful and what is needed. Yeah. I love that. And also... I've been wanting to read that book, so I'm glad you've given it a good review because now I will definitely read it. Yeah, that. it was good, and it's it's not too long. Like yeah. it was a enjoyable read. Uh, I I've, again, I've gotten in sort of a stuck place where I've started a couple books. I'm not allowed to talk about them, but um, <laughs> not like like David Goggins. I love David Goggins, and his new book came out, and I've read like at a quarter, a little over a quarter of it, and I just like, yeah, it's good, but like, yeah. It's hard to find those ones that like pull you really Mm -hmm. but you know been reading every day so that's good nice that's good so are we ready to move into our main topic all all about clinics um so you guys know that as you know if you've been to the podcast before we kind of like to talk through our four pillars and how it applies to our topic and everything like that and we're going to do a more abridged version of that today because I think there's a more important conversation that we need to have here about I'm going to use the word drama but I don't know if that's the great word for it drama conversation about clinics right I think that I've certainly been in a program before where the mindset of the trainer was like you have to learn everything from me and there are no outside sources and like what I say goes uh, there is no value like almost like scoffed at people that wanted to ride with other people and there are a lot of jujitsu gyms where that's sort of the case too they say like this is our program these are our secrets you can't go cross train and show our secrets off anywhere and like why would you even need to learn from anyone else because we've got the truth and I was listening to one of my jujitsu podcasts recently that was like hey like this is a big red flag like if you're at a gym and your professor says like I don't want you to go train or drop into a class at another gym like you should probably feel a little bit like "Mm, maybe I should look into other gyms and other options um and knowing what 
I know about my experiences in that one particular program and, you know, just what I've gotten out of riding and clinics and everything like that, I feel like it is a little bit of a red flag for a trainer to say, like, no, you can't learn for any- from anyone else. So I don't know yeah, what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, on I, that. I totally agree. I always encourage my students to learn from other people. Um, obviously, I... I don't I don't know how to say this so that, like I don't want it to be just from anyone you know what I mean but like if I know the person or like um respect their training like I'm all about it because sometimes people can say things like they're saying the same thing but in a slightly different way and it might connect with my student and then from there you know we can move forward together you know um and I, if I can, if it's a local thing, I like to watch my students ride with somebody else. Yep. You know, if I have the time and ability to do that, because again, I can kind of see how things might be just like jiving a little bit better or, you know, if, if there is improvement and like how I can take that into training them when they get back to me. Um, so I'm all about it. Um, and I just... I do think it is a red flag if your trainer doesn't want you to ever ride with anybody else because that's more of a, to me, that's like an insecurity of theirs. Like, and it's almost like a possessiveness. It's kind of like a bad boyfriend, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, you, you're, you're your own person, right? And if you're a lifelong learner and want to learn more, like you've got to go and find other sources. And it's not like you have to consistently train with someone, but like every once in a while, throwing it in, mixing it up, keeping things interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. And, and like a scarcity mindset too, is me what really embodies that of like, oh no, like if you go learn something from someone else, you won't see as much value in my program. Whereas like, like you said, you can learn even what your trainer has been trying to get through to you, like you see the same person every day, all the Mm -hmm. time. It's really hard to make noticeable progress, right? Like the, it's my ingrown hair analogy. You're probably making (laughs) growth, but you can't see it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then like you put pressure on somewhere, you see the growth. Sometimes that pressure comes in the form of riding with someone that you're a little bit more nervous to ride with, or, you know, like they've got a different environment that you're taking your horse to. And so again, it could be that that's the the tipping point that helps bring out all the knowledge that you've given them, Emily, right. or it just helps them hear the same thing that you've been telling them in a different way. And they said, oh, yeah, like, this is what this person said. And it's really clicking. And it can be easy for the trainer to be like, oh, my God, I've been trying to tell you this for months, right? Yeah. But if you have that attitude, like, what's that going to get you? That's not going to get you a positive relationship with your student. And then they're going to say, I probably should ride with someone else. But if you could be open and willing to expand your horizons and say, we're all learning from everyone at the same time. And, and the, the particular program that I was in, um, this trainer didn't really take many lessons herself too. And I, and I feel like it's just like that forcing the knowledge into a box, right? Mm -hmm. Of this is what we know. This is what we do. This is what works. And if you think that about this industry or honestly, any others, you're going to get left in the dust. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, 
also on kind of a side note, like if I'm riding in a clinic, I do encourage my students to come watch me too, you know, just to be like, I'm still learning, you know, and they can kind of see that. And I think you always learn from watching other people ride. Um, so again, I think that's just part of the, the mindset of like, I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. You know, there's always other sources of help. That's uh, for trainers listening. That is a good good thing to encourage students to watch your stuff too yeah and I think Emily you have an interesting perspective as a trainer with students of your own and also as a clinician Mm -hmm. and so I'd be interested I know we've talked about before how when we do a whole equestrian clinic it's nice because the riders get some mindset help as well as your actual instruction and sometimes Emily says she can't go to clinics without me anymore yeah (laughs) yeah, I love it she's like sometimes like people are just like so nervous or uh coming into it with like fear and anxiety that they end up not getting as much out of the clinic that they could so I was just curious to kind of get your thoughts of if you think there is a point when riders shouldn't be clinicking yeah I think it definitely depends on how the clinic is structured like if you're having an issue like you're really struggling in your current program um I would say the only way you should go to a clinic perhaps is like if you have the chance to have a private lesson like if you're really struggling with something and you go to a clinic and you're stuck in a group with like two three four other people like I just don't think that that's going to work but I think if it's a private thing maybe um the the clinician could help you and again like give you a slightly different way to look at the problem uh and then also I think again if you're having some fear and anxiety at home, um, you really need to think about what that clinician is known for. Are they like tough on riders? Are they really like pushing you hard outside of your comfort zone? Or are they like more encouraging, kind of like a hand holder, like let's work through this together type of trainer? Um, So I just think that you should take that into consideration. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, like, you know, some clinics are built to be like, hey, like, let's work through these problems. Mm -hmm. And some clinics are built to say, I'm going to set the course at three foot six and we're going to jump the course at three foot six. And so understanding the environment that you're putting yourself into and mentally doing a check of saying, am I ready for this? And, And what am I going to get out of it? which starts to transition us into talking about our pillars, right? So mindset is so huge in clinicking um, because it's, it's it's like a weird space, right? Of going in with your own intention of knowing what you wanna get out of a clinic without being so one track minded to, oh, that's not how I do things, right? Because I think at the end of the day, no one knows their horse better than themselves. And so it's this weird double-edged sword where you have to be open to trying something that you've never tried before because that's the point of a clinic. Right. But also take control of, hey, am I getting something out of this? There's a kitty here. That's a little wily. I love cats. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Tyler gets distracted by cats. Anyway. um, Yeah. So I think that that 
kind of ties into what I wanted to talk about is having a beginner's mind when you you go to a clinic. Um, you know, like it doesn't matter how skilled of a rider you are, how long you've been doing it. Like if you really want to get the most out of the clinic, you need to come in with, again, that open mind, like willing to learn, uh, willing to listen. Now, that doesn't mean you always have to do everything. If there's something that like really doesn't jive with you, again, you have to be an advocate for yourself and your horse. But in general, like I think the more open you can be, the more you're going to get out of the clinic. And, you know, I always like to think you take what works and leave the rest. You know, like you're not going to do necessarily everything the clinician has told you like in your regular program but you could probably take what works and leave the rest do you have anything to add to that yeah um I heard a a quote recently that really stuck with me um and it actually sort of took me down a rabbit hole of research as well Mm -hmm. um and it was what you know influences what you learn and it's all about our biases and our preconceived notions right and so as a sport and performance psychology consultant my goal is to say how does my filter of life influence this situation how does the way that I look at things my background and what I know influence how I'm interpreting this person's emotional reaction to a a certain stimulus Mm -hmm. if you can take that same mindset into a clinic and realize everything that you've learned is going to influence what your perceiving and receiving in a clinic it's going to be a lot more important because we go into frustration mode right like to me immediately I'm thinking like dressage fix a test Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you feel like oh my god I haven't learned anything about dressage dressage is probably one of the most frustrating (laughs) parts of the sport right there's a lot there's a lot going on and it can get really overwhelming to any and it can push you into the mindset that says why didn't I learn this before right like why wasn't this information available to me and what you know is influencing what you're know what you're learning in that moment right what you've learned about the leg what you've learned about the aids what you've learned about the seat is going to influence your ability to take in that information and use it and everything exists on a spectrum everything exists on a level so your level might not be at the same space and time as whatever that trainer is trying to teach you and finding a way to meet in the middle and again take what is going to work for you and not take it as a oh my god I suck because this is going horribly wrong and they're telling you something completely new potentially something that you've never tried before and it goes back to that analogy of the baby falling down when it walks for the first time and no one laughs at it it can be so micro adjustments Mm -hmm. in a clinic of like hey like let's just do this one thing a different way and it puts you back into that space of being a baby learning how to walk and it's frustrating and it's hard and if you're not willing to meet those uncomfortable spaces with compassion to yourself you're not going to get out of that clinic what you can yeah I agree and also I think kind of going along with that a lot of people come into the clinic like trying to impress the clinician yes And that comes with its own set of issues, right? It's like, yes, everyone wants to do well, right? Like, no one wants to be told that they suck, especially if you're riding with, like, a 
upper level professional who you admire or something like you you want to do well for them that's totally normal but again I think you just need to come in with where you're at you know be honest do your best but like don't go in with like this oh I've got to impress this person because chances are like it's probably not gonna happen they see a lot of riders right like they might think you're good but like Philip said in a clinic one time, like at the start of a clinic, he was I like, can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> he was like, don't try to impress me because it won't happen. He didn't say that to me, but he, said, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he, Princess he didn't say here. that to me, but he said that in the clinic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just maybe that might be a little bit harsh, but I think you understand the point. No, <laughs> like, no. And I, and I get it. Cause I, there's a lady at, at my CrossFit, um, that we had a coach that was out. Um, she was sick for, for a little bit and, uh, she, the coach came back and she was having an off day, right? She wasn't lifting as heavy as she had. She's like, oh, I wanted to show off how strong I've become. Right? Yeah. I wanted to show off how much progress I've made. And today wasn't my day. And so there's an, exterior force that's changing your experience where if it was a coach that had seen her make the strength improvements a coach that had seen her putting in the work would be like wow like you're probably just tired today because you've been working really hard and that sort of filter that you put on it says oh it's not so good today because I wanted to show it off Mm -hmm. it's the same thing when you go to a clinic of like oh I want to show this progress or I want to show what I've been working on especially if you do like someone that comes through regularly and it's like oh yeah like I made so much progress in the last year Emily was here last year and I was crying over cross rails and now I'm like really making improvements and you have an off day but that's okay everyone's allowed to have an off day but if you put that pressure on yourself you're going to have a bad experience right could talk about it for hours, i know we honestly. could just keep going on <laughs> <laughs> about mindset because there i mean it's just so much of that right yep. but yep moving on to our next pillar of fitness um so you know in our clinics we incorporate fitness into the clinic with some yoga but in, in general, in clinics, I, I would say the biggest thing is you might be asked to use your body a little bit differently, like the instructor may want to change your position slightly, and um, this can feel, again, kind of uncomfortable if you're used to riding a certain way. You could also be a little bit sore the next day because you're, again, using your body differently than you're used to. Uh, so, you know, I'm always a big fan of stretching before and also after, you know, so... That, that's kind of my tip for fitness and clinics. What about you? Um, so similar, uh, Emily said, you know, you might be asked to do something different in your physicality. And to me, if we can put the mental lens to say this is an opportunity to find some gaps within yourself, right? Uh, goes right back to what we were just saying about people wanting to go and show off hey, look at how awesome I am. No, you should be going in and saying, what am I going to be able to take away from this to work on? Like, Mm -hmm. what's my homework going to be when I come from this lesson? So maybe you're asked to hold two point for a really long time. And you're like, oh my God, that was really hard. My ankles were stiff. My abs are sore. That creates a goal of 
I should be working on my two point or I should be maybe doing some ab exercises and some ankle mobility outside of the saddle to improve that. And so when I'm working with clients, um, we sort of track three different types of goals, mental, physical, and technical. Clinics are going to challenge you in all three of those areas, but if you can separate them into the segments and open your mind to, hey, what physically challenged me about this experience? What could I do better on? And then find the resources after the weekend, after the clinic to say, I can improve this by this set of controlled things. You start to make progress in a more linear form in our world where progress is all over the place, right? Like horses are so hard to track progress with Mm -hmm. because they have bad days, we have bad days. And I always say, yeah, but if you can't hold two point for five laps around the arena, that's something you can work on whether your horse is hand walking or, you know, you're actually getting ready for your next training level. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think that's good. Uh, So nutrition. When it comes to clinics, uh, I think the key is to plan ahead and plaque, 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 pack food that will help you bring your best self to the clinic. Yeah, (laughs) yep. I do actually need to go to the dentist, but um, that's 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 another thing. Uh, Anyways, so biggest thing: don't show up hangry because I don't know about you, but I don't do my best stuff when I'm hangry. So try to fuel yourself before the clinic yeah and and it is it is similar to like a horse show in that like you want to be able to show up with your best resources to have your best performance not that again we're showing off and trying to be but like I when I go to jujitsu and I'm like hungry especially when I'm weight cutting like I'll look at my partner while we're drilling and I'm like I can't stop thinking about like burritos right now right like I literally and then what where's your mental space for like actually doing the move that you're supposed to be doing you're not in the moment you're you're off thinking about burritos man I could I would kill for some mac and cheese right now right like and like you have my stomach's grumbling and it and it's just awful right and like unfortunately that's kind of the sport that I'm in where I have to get into these little hanger modes of cutting my weight and whatnot but uh but yeah like don't don't come hangry and also don't like just wake up late and go to mcdonald's on your way there and then like feel sick because you (laughs) ate mcdonald's like in your lesson i'm sure people throw up in clinics like yeah um, have you had that happen it has not happened to me but yeah, I had a I'm friend sure that used happens. to throw up at like horse shows, like when we were kids. Um, yeah, like she would get so nervous that she would throw up. But I'm sure the chili frito pie that she had <laughs> didn't help things. Oh, I do have one story though. Actually, it's not mine, but so I taught a clinic in Savannah, Georgia this year, and the trainer there, she's so funny. Uh, but anyway, she was talking about one of her younger students. They were at a horse show doing like a jumper show or something, and this kid was uh doing her round and she's like I think I'm gonna throw up I think I'm gonna throw up and the trainer goes just don't throw up on the white pony like because <laughs> she was riding a white pony like go to the side and she did throw up but not on the pony oh, so that's good that's yeah. good yet yeah. um nutrition tip don't throw up on your pony especially if it's white yeah exactly <laughs> yeah Barry you can't be thrown up can't on be Barry. thrown up on Barry nope uh anyways so Good times on that with fun people, uh, which leads us into community. 
And I think the biggest thing, like clinics are a great way to meet new people. I think sometimes as adults, it can be hard to like sometimes meet new people and make friends. But when you're at a clinic, you have most likely peers that you can bond with over similar goals and uh, values and that sort of thing. So that can be fun. Um, And also you have access to professionals, you know, different professionals uh, that could help you possibly with connections and maybe they have some resources to share, especially if you're like in a rural area where there's not a lot of upper level riders, you know, that can be a great way to just like expand your network and... Yeah. Right. Emily might go teach a clinic. She might notice you dealing with some anxiety and she might send you to me. You know, exactly. this building yep. connections and networks. Building connections. Yep. And also I have helped some people with working student positions, you know, that clinics. Oh and, yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's like people reach out to me and like that's knowledge that I'm willing to share. They're like, well, where should I go? Like, what should I do? Like, what are good places? What are good people? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like I'll always talk about that because the industry needs more good workers and good workers have to go good places to stay yeah. good workers. So. For sure. And I'll always send people your way, Tyler, Thank at my you. clinics yeah, yeah, yeah. because, you know, people need to work on their mental game because that's the majority of the sport it's so important yeah it's so important um for me like the one thing that came up when I was thinking about community was that sign up like the scene in Finding Nemo when Mm -hmm. they're like going through the little like transatlantic tunnel or whatever yeah and they're like do you have your exit buddy (laughs) and I was like well do you have your clinic buddy right yeah that person that's gonna trailer with you to like Mm -hmm, the local mm -hmm. clinics and like make it easier I I've had a couple horses that do not like being in a trailer by themselves so like having your clinic buddy definitely makes the clinic experience a lot more fun yeah community I love that clinic buddy (laughs) yeah so all right well I hope that that helps everybody gain some clarity on how to make the most out of clinics and uh, we're gonna wrap this up with our tips of the month what's your training tip of the month emily well uh with it being a new year i think it's time to think about your big goal for the spring um or fall or whenever your goal is but for me i always like competition wise have a big spring competition and a big fall competition and then I make my schedule around that so my training tip is to make a fitness schedule based on your big goal whatever that may be and then work back from that um yeah so how many days you want to flat your horse like when you're going to take lessons how many times you're going to jump like when you're going to work in trot sets when you're going to do gallops if you need to do gallops all that sort of thing so you know it is the time to start working back from your big goal and figure out how you and your horse can be fit and ready and I, I think that that's so important, Emily, and it's something I talked to. I did an Eventing Nation article not too long ago about goal setting and why a lot of equestrians shy away from it is because like, oh, what if I'm supposed to gallop and my horse is feeling a little bit sore that day? Yeah. Or um, what if my horse pops an abscess and then the whole plan is ruined? And that really gets into a conversation about like cognitive distortions, right? Like we like to distort things like way out of proportion of if it doesn't happen exactly as I planned it it is the end of the world and so equestrians get into the mindset of I'm 
not going to plan at all. I'm just going to play it day by day and like be a good horse person. And I think what you're saying is so important and setting the schedule and planning it and trying to stick to it to best of your abilities doesn't mean you're not going to be a good horse person and be like, oh, my horse has an abscess. I'm still going to do my gallop today. But it helps you with a guideline. And then it's like, okay, what have I missed? And what can I still do within the constraints that I have to work towards my goal? Right. And it's the same thing with like, I hate like professionals that don't like plan their day of like when they want to ride what horse. And it's like, well, I don't know how long they're going to take. Yeah. But if we have like an order and we have an idea, that's easier to adjust than just being like, wow, we'll just see what happens. Right, and we know when the professional's going to show up to start riding, that's all a great, those things. That's a great thing. Yeah. It's a great thing. It makes things run so much smoother. So um, what's your grooming tip of the month? So you, you said it right. Horse show season is upon us, mm-hmm. um, and, and even if you're stuck up north for the winter, there's some schooling shows going on, and, uh, you know, it's it's already the end of January, so those, school, those shows are going to be coming around the corner whether you went south or not. Um, or I guess, you know, California is a thing too. It's always nice and warm there. Yeah. Um, don't brush a tail that hasn't been washed. I love that. Cause that's one of my biggest pet. <laughs> like you have to wash and condition a tail and like, it should be soft and silky before you brush through it. And if it's not literally just finger pick the shavings and the straw out. Like I'm not about having straw in the arena, but like, don't go brush like a hard stiff tail. Cause you're just going to pull out half the tail yeah. and ruin it for the show season. And so, um, yeah, like I like keeping them soft. I like keeping them brushable and like, that's great but you have to actually wash them so especially if you are stuck up north and maybe it's like way too cold to be uh washing your horse's tail it feels like oh but i should brush it right don't 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 do do it it. literally just like let that thing just kind of like barry's tail is a mess right now just let it survive pick (laughs) out the shavings and then like when it's warm enough you'll wash it you'll condition it you'll put some nice like spray in it and then you'll brush it from the bottom to the top yep Love that. Great tip. Um, All right. So what is next? Well, guys, we've got some available clinic dates um, on our calendar. Um, Emily and I have, she's gearing up for Kentucky. I'm gearing up for Pans and Worlds. So February, March, April, looking a little bit busy for both of us. Not doing anything until after that. If you are interested, uh, the whole equestrian at gmail.com or a direct message on Instagram, Facebook is how you can reach out to us. Again, our clinics are mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. So we incorporate all of these elements into our clinic days. There is yoga, there's group sports psychology session, there's one-on-one sports psychology sessions. You get lessons with Emily. Um depending on our resources we work in some sort of healthy lunch or we talk about nutrition in some way to help encourage you to do that so um really unique clinic setup i don't think there's many that get all sort of bases like that yeah and Um, uh i mean i might be biased but i think the people that have had us have enjoyed our clinics so much fun so much fun so some of those dates um we're looking at may 6th and 7th june 24th and 25th 
July 15th and 16th. So typically we'll do a two-day clinic. Um, if there is availability for like local travel, we mm -hmm. can probably make a one-day clinic worth it um, and might even be available outside of those dates for a one-day uh, sort of close to the Chester County, Pennsylvania area. Yeah. But uh, yeah, email us for more information. We have a pretty a good package put together for information on how it benefits us, how it benefits the barn that hosts and everything like that. So, yep. So yeah, we've got the info, reach out and we can get it to you. And we look forward to working with some new people this year. All right. Well, we hope that this episode has encouraged you to seek out an opportunity to ride with someone else and also be prepared for when you do. Please be sure to find us um, at The Whole Equestrian on Facebook, Instagram. Check out our Whole Equestrian website. I added a whole new tab for um, information about sports psychology and my practice there. I am open for new clients, um, and we just love engaging with our listeners regardless of if you need sports psychology or not. So uh, feel free to head to The Whole Equestrian community page on Facebook as well. Uh, let us know your word of the year, the goals that you're working on, or anything you'd like to hear on the show this year. All right. Well, I think that does it. So thanks so much for listening. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.